welcome listeners to this week's behind-the-scenes episode of Latinx Lit Audio Mag. Today, we're talking to Carlos Graves, author of Ten Types of Vicks Vaporub, Your Abuela Keeps Around the House, which first appeared in Flex. Carlos Graves is an Afro-Latino engineer, writer, and filmmaker based in Boston. He teaches online satire writing at The Second City and writes for Netflix's Contodo Social Channel. His writing has been featured in The New Yorker, and he is a frequent contributor to the humor site McSweeney's. Welcome, Carlos. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm thrilled to have you here. I, I have to tell you that one of the reasons your piece spoke to me so much is because I have been personally victimized by Vix Vaporub. I have a distinct <laughs> memory of being, I don't even know how old, but having that stuff slathered onto my chest, wearing the footy polyester pajamas over it, just that ugh, feeling. So yes, yes, that stuff is in everybody's household. I don't know why. Yep. I don't know why. Like, what is it? What is it about VIX that's just so, so important to the Latinx community? You know? Yeah. I I don't know, but I had the same experience growing up. And, like, in particular, you know, the, the VIX, like, rubbed up under your nose, oh. like, you know, <laughs> burning your nostrils as, you, just, you know. smell again at that point. Yeah, exactly. And but yeah, it's like such a universal thing. Like we all grew up with that. And it was it was just this cure all that anytime we were sick, it was, yeah, and you know, we're here. Slather it, on. it saved us from death, evidently, you know, like it worked every right. time. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, <laughs> there's something to it. So I have to ask, did you did you have to take uh, garlic pills? Because that was the other thing that, that I with those, these pills, they're oily, they're filled with like essence of garlic. Did, did that happen to you? Oh, that's funny. No, that that I did not uh, have to do, thankfully. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think I have Stockholm syndrome on that one because I used to hate garlic and then sort of in late teens i decided i loved it and and i think maybe there's just an unhealthy there's an unhealthy relationship there so <laughs> anyway let's let's get off of the the traumatic personal stories and before we talk a little bit more about your piece and about you let let's start with the most important question which is a food related question and what is your favorite comfort food yeah, so I grew up in Texas, so I always loved uh, Tex-Mex mm -hmm. cuisine, and in particular, uh, chile con queso, which is <sighs> like a melted cheese with roasted tomatoes and jalapenos and bell peppers. That was just like my number one favorite food growing up, and still is, and like living in the, it's one of the hardest things about living in the Northeast, mm -hmm. is that it's just not really a thing here. So anytime I'm back home, it's like immediately going to my favorite Tex-Mex place and ordering that. So yeah, that's just, it's cheesy and spicy. I, I lived in New York for a little bit and even trying to recreate things, you can't really find a healthy jalapeno. It's kind of a problem. So Ugh. yeah, it's so true. I, I've tried multiple times to make it at home and it's never quite come out right. <laughs> no, it's got it's got to happen back back where jalapenos grow strong and free, which is Texas and California where I'm from. So I I feel you on that one. 
So you talked a little bit, you're, you're from Texas. Is there, like, how long have you been writing? Have you been writing your whole life? Did you come to it a little later? What's what's your deal? Yeah, growing up, it was always something I, I kind of casually enjoyed doing, but never really thought too much about it. And in like in college, I wrote for the school newspaper on the sports staff, mm-hmm. just purely, purely for fun. And then senior year, I took a class on filmmaking and uh, totally, you know, fell in love with that process and um, started making some short films. And then after I graduated, um, I was working full time as, as an electrical engineer, but was doing some filmmaking on the side. And um, that kind of morphed into doing more like sketch comedy mm-hmm. and actually performing live sketch comedy. And then like met a few people through that and then eventually kind of started doing online humor and, and online satire. And um, that's, yeah, I kind of started getting my work out that way and have since had like a few pieces in McSweeney's that have gotten a bit of traction and, and um, yeah, quite a know, bit, a, a few in the New Yorker. And yeah, it's just, it's been, yeah, it, it's been, it's been kind of wild. It's it been, you know, several, several years in the making, but it's, it's been so great seeing uh, my work out there and people responding positively to it. So, so that's been wonderful, but definitely not something I like grew up thinking I would do. So yeah, so you <laughs> discovered it in high school, which in, in some ways is kind of what's supposed to happen. You, you know, we have this thing where you're supposed to look at different things, try different experiences, and none of us know what we're doing at that point anyway. And maybe you luck into finding out then or, or even later, but just question then, because you said you started with film. Have have your the films that you started with that you started working on were those also comedic? I actually have always kind of naturally gravitated towards humor, mm-hmm. and yeah, I've I've even tried my hand at writing more dramatic work, and it just never it never seems to come out right. And there's just something about humor that like it's. Yeah, for me, it's just like it has to have some kind of funny angle Mm -hmm. for me to really be able to make it work. And I'm not I'm not quite sure why that is. But (laughs) I think, yeah, it's something I've always loved too. like I always loved comedies and more so than, you know, horror or drama. So maybe it's partly because of that. It's just kind of what I grew up watching. But yeah, it's just I've been purely focused on humor. I I find, though, uh, someone who came to humor later Versus when I wrote other things, humor is hard. Like we can't even say, oh, we we do humor because it's easier to do. Just being able to be funny, not just to yourself, but other people, and also to make a point. Um, we you, you were in McSweeney several times for, for different pieces, a lot of it reacting to cultural things. And, and it's amazing to me that humor is a shared thing, but even writing it and sending it out into the universe where someone else is going to hear it in whatever mental voice, you know, wherever they are and be able to say, you know what, that's really funny. Or he's making a a really good point there. It's, it's, it's a, it's a hard thing to do. It, it can take an entire lifetime to really hit your stride on that. So, yeah, I mean, I've enjoyed a lot of your pieces. McSweeney's also, there was the piece that you wrote about American Dirt 
The piece was, as a 28-year-old Latino, I'm shocked my new novel, Memoirs of a Middle-Aged White Lady, has been so poorly received. Yes, and I, I loved that piece so much because even just the title encapsulates the problem <laughs> with something like American <laughs> Dirt. Uh, it, it was a good piece. I, that, that was the one, I have to say, where I, I actually clicked into who you were because I read your other stuff. But I thought this, I need to know who this guy is. Because he gets it. So that's a famous <laughs> oh, thank piece. thank you. Yeah, I mean, that was the first piece I'd gotten accepted by McSweeney's. And yeah, I mean, just seeing the reaction to it was was unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I mean, that had been like years in the making of like slowly trying to... I mean, I'd been writing, uh, submitting to McSweeney's off and on for about two years before I got that piece accepted. And that was my like 10th submission after nine rejections and not even including like probably 20 or 30 humor pieces that I started and didn't even submit because mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this is not working. It's not good <laughs> enough. Um, so yeah, it was definitely like a long, uh, a slow and difficult process um, getting to that point of getting that first acceptance. But uh yeah, it, it was just amazing to see the response to it. And uh, yeah, and then to like to to have been able to get a few other things in has been great, too. So, yeah, well, let's let's transition to to 10 types of, of Vicks Vaporub that your oiler keeps on the house. Can can you walk us through how you wrote that piece? Did, did you start with the headline? Did you just have a concept in your head? How, how did that work out? I had originally pitched that to Flex um, along with a couple other pitches, but when I pitched it initially, it was more of like a satirical news headline that was something like, you know, Abuela's medicine cabinet, just a bunch of jars of Vicks Vaporub, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and yeah, because and, there was just, there was that like thing in my head about that like being such a ubiquitous you know uh cure all for any type of illness and malady mm -hmm. and you know whatnot and it was the editors who actually came back to me and were like well okay what if what if it was more like a you know 10 types of vix your abuela keeps around the house and i was like okay well that that's definitely there's something there and like there's something fun about the 10 different varieties mm -hmm. and getting to kind of like slowly build it out and um yeah, and, and kind of play around with the concept and flesh it out a little bit more. So it was definitely a great note from them. And once I had that, I was kind of like, okay, well, what are like all of the different types of varieties I can think of, right? So there's obviously like, you know, the Vicks Vaporub that you rub up under your mm -hmm. nose because that's something that we all grew up with. But then like, what if it extends even further? Like what if it's, you know, you put it on your bumps and scrapes and what if, you know, you use it to like keep the cat off of the furniture. And that poor dog, and, wherever you know, that Vix went, we, we don't need to know actually where that Vix went. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you, you don't, the dog does not mess with Abuela anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh. And then the Pope. I mean, that, that to me, it was just so funny that, that this piece, it gets out there. I mean, you've got the cat, you've got the dog, but, but you could see theoretically someone's Abuela who, who sees the Pope and like is trying to get this thing blessed. Like, no, is it going to really happen? Probably not, but maybe, maybe it could happen. She might try. 
Yeah, well, that definitely felt like the logical conclusion of the piece. I was like, it has to escalate up to something like that. And then like, who else but the Pope? That's like the ultimate, you know, uh, yeah, the ultimate religious figure. And, you know, like, I think so many of us like have done the pilgrimage to Rome or know people who've done the pilgrimage to Rome. And it's like such a thing for Catholics. Mm -hmm. So that felt like the ultimate thing. It's like, well, if you can get it blessed by the Pope, then that Vix will cure <laughs> everything. Like that's, that's the Rolls Royce of Vix right there. So that's, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And a good moneymaker for Abuela who needs to supplement her, her retirement. Honestly. Exactly. Well, if you've if you've gone through the trouble of getting it blessed, you know, you might as well get something for it, too. So exactly. Your return on investment. It's very important. Yeah. So is there and it's funny to ask this about about comedy in some ways, but we know that a lot of satire and comedy does have kind of a point. Do, is there anything that, that you want? You want listeners who hear this, an oppression you want them to be left with at, at the end when they when they listen to your piece? Yeah, it's funny. I've written a lot of like much more hard hitting pieces like like the American Dirt mm -hmm. piece and a lot of like very kind of more biting satire. And this one, I think, is like I would kind of want this to just be more of like a fun read and mm -hmm. something that like, you know, if you grew up with this experience, like you'll feel the nostalgia and just like have a good laugh about you know, yes. uh, growing up with that. And like, if you're, if you didn't grow up with that, hopefully it's just kind of like a fun <laughs> little glimpse into our world. <laughs> I was so seen uh -huh. in that moment. <laughs> like, oh, that fix. I hated that stuff. I did not keep the cycle going with my kids because the, the trauma stops. It stops with me. There is no, no, That's no good. baby rub, no, no Vicks rub under anybody's noses over here. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, our generation has to, <laughs> to stop the cycle <laughs> to, to, to stop the trauma. Yeah, exactly. Stop the cycle. <laughs> well, this has been so fun. So if, if others want to look at your work, they want to catch up with you and see the things that you're writing or classes that you're teaching, how can they get in, keep in touch with you and, and see what's coming up next? So my website, which is carlosgraves.com, has a good overview of, of kind of my writing and, and teaching and so forth. Um, and I do have a workshop coming up on October 23rd. Mm -hmm. I'm teaching a workshop for uh, writingworkshops.com. And it's focused on writing topical satire around the holidays. So, you know, with the holiday season coming up, um, if, you know, if there's a holiday that you absolutely love or absolutely hate and you've always wanted to write about it, um, this will kind of walk through how to approach writing uh, satire about specific holidays and also how to incorporate current events and, and news and, and pop culture into writing uh, about the holidays. So if you're interested in that, definitely check it out. Um, the website for that is writingworkshops.com. And if you look at the upcoming classes and, and scroll down, you'll you'll see my workshop there. Well, listeners, if you don't have a pen handy, all of this is going to be in the show notes. So you can click on the links there if you want to sign up for the class or if you just want to see more of Carlos's work. Well, well, thank you so much for coming, Carlos. This has been a true pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.